Swedenborg learned that when we die, we are given a new spiritual name. Our spiritual name encapsulates the character of our life. How then do we find our loved ones who have died when we cross over if we don't know their name? Love itself will be our search engine. Here we are inside Off the Left Eye. This week, Curtis and I share what insights we gained from the Off the Left Eye Experience weekend. Next, Dr. Jonathan Rose teaches us about light and warmth in the afterlife and our own inborn potential for angelic perception. Then we travel to 1771 to learn the parameters of Swedenborg's ability to speak to spirits from a letter he wrote to the Landgrave of Hesse-Darmstadt this week in history. Hey, Curtis Childs. Hello, Chelsea. How are you? I am doing really well, and I am still in the glow of the Off the Left Eye experience, which was really only in recent history for us recording this now. Um, Right. It was amazing, wasn't it? Yeah. We're we're still vibing out. The Off the Left Eye experience was a resounding success. It was a testament to the force of spiritual community. It really was. Hypothesis that by immersion in uh, an idea or uh, a concept for a weekend, you could go deeper, and by immersion in a community of people who are interested in the same thing, you could go deeper. It it's true. It happened. I know, and it happened. It went so smoothly, and they, I just loved getting to be with people, and uh, and I learned so much as well like it wasn't even as a presenter I just felt like I got to immerse myself in these ideas about becoming an angel which was the theme and I just was so fed even even though I got to do some of the feeding as well (laughs) yeah right they're not mutually exclusive yes A, a beautiful give and take and so for people listening now though this is it's If you weren't able to come and you wish you had, or you just want to bask in the glow of the wonderful insights and information that we covered about becoming an angel over that weekend, they were amazing sessions. I mean, you gave an amazing session on angelic life hacks. Yes. And Karin talked about the mechanics of becoming an angel. So good. I share, you know, led people through three guided reflections about how becoming an angel. Yeah, it's becoming you. And then Jonathan took it away with the going through the seven days of creation, but just layer by layer in this amazing sort of holographic image of the life that's in that story and how much we can, you know, draw out of it. So yeah, no, no dry um, eyes during that one. I know. And even even after that, there were all of this great discussion, some of which is you know, is part of the recording, which is what I want to tell people about, that we have this, uh, we recorded everything. And so you can still get the recording pass for the Off the Left Eye experience. That, I think we have another week for people to be able to get it. So if you haven't yet, I think it's $50, maybe it's less than that. So it's like so worth it for hours of in-depth spiritual nourishment. So it's awesome. Another thing about the Off the Left Eye experience was that clearly it inspired the people who came, so much so that one of our attendees, uh, a guy named David Ramsey, who had only heard about Swedenborg about six weeks before, uh, before even coming. So he had heard about it, heard about our weekend, decided to come, and then was blown away by this idea of uh, what it means to become an angel that it's that you know what Swedenborg learned is that angels aren't just a separate race of being they are ex people you know people who everybody begins in this physical world and then our inner self that we develop is the thing that lives forever in the afterlife and becomes an angel if we you know open ourselves up to God and heaven and David and this is actually uh, yeah, he shared this with us over the weekend. He wrote a song so inspired by this idea that he even composed music. And so 
I am excited to say that we're going to have a special Swedenborg-inspired song at the end of this episode where we're going to get to share his track that he put together that is called Angels in the Making, which is really wonderful. So definitely listen through to the end for that. Oh, that's the Swedenborg effect. Your six-week timeline, you first hear of it to you're making songs about it. There you go. I know. It just the generative force of these ideas is amazing. And so I wanted to know, Curtis, like what is what is something you learned from the weekend? You know, we're always talking about how these ideas are new. Even when we've been around them for years, you can always be learning something new. And so I wonder what hit you in a new way or what did you learn uh, that you, you know, that that you have a new idea about or a new understanding from the weekend about becoming an angel or some aspect of it? Sure. There was a lot. I mean, I felt like there's a lot of little breakthroughs that I had in, in a lot of different areas. There's two that stuck out to me. One was from a breakout session where one of the attendees was talking about having judgmental thoughts mm-hmm. and that she had a I think we were discussing like what are our little life hacks that we have and she was saying yeah. that one of her life hacks was that uh, is that, that only God can judge people. So you can't step over that line and even have like a judgmental thought about them. And this was something that she ran her life by. And mm-hmm. I felt like that's a really cool stance to take because you know, okay, only God can make big judgments, but I, I can all the time say, well, you're, you look weird or you're acting dumb or, you know, like that's, but to say, no, 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 that's, that's not angelic. That's crossing a line that we could, you know, you're allowed to cross it, but you can choose to not. To me, that was, that was cool. That stuck with me. Oh, and, that's awesome. Yeah. Yeah. And then the other one was during Karin's talk, this quote that I feel like I never heard before. I was I think it was married love 18 where, yes. and you and I both reacted to this when, I when remember. She, what was that about? Oh, that was amazing. It was that. The each angelic community is in the human form, just like all of heaven, right? So we are forming our spirits into a particular human form through our lives. And we go to the community whose angelic human form matches our form. So you, where you live, you like have a little map of your neighborhood inside yourself. And that's what makes you so compatible with it, which to me was quite satisfying and quite unexpected. Yes. And it was in that number two that there was like something hit me about how integrated those are. It was something about how like we are in it, but it is in us. Like there's this two-way movement going on that just struck me in a whole new way. I remember that. And it yeah, oh, I'm going to have to make sure I find that number. Maybe I'll put it in the description of this episode and uh, so people can, you know, have their own minds blown about that. <laughs> if it still exists. I swear she just made that up. <laughs> right. She just made that one up. It's too amazing. To... Yeah. And I also, I feel like, um, yes, here I am saying, like, what did you learn from the weekend? But so much of what I learned was these nuggets of wisdom, like you said, from the participants who were there, who were sharing in the discussion. And um, I think it might have been this one that you were sharing about where there was this pithy line. So tell me if it was the same person who said, like, I'm not here to be a judge. I'm here to be a witness. Was that? That's different, but I think okay. it's it's uh, a related. It's very related. Because I loved that and I've used that just since the weekend was like, I, it's so easy to feel like, oh, I need to break apart and, you know, analyze and, you know, judge some situation or some person or something. But to realize, like, I'm not here to be a judge. I'm here to be a witness because that is that, you know, the witnessing power of of God's love and wisdom. Like, that's how we can sort of engage with it. And there's so much power in just witnessing because then you're like letting, you can be a very clear, you know, witness who communicates, you know, but then you're opening up this opportunity for the Lord to do work, you know, in a situation or in a relationship or something like that. And I just loved that way that that, whoever that was put it. So thank you yeah, that's awesome. <laughs> to that person. <laughs> so.
so cool. Well, it's really fun to get to walk down memory lane a little bit with you about the uh, off the left eye experience. And uh, do you have any other like highlights that stood out to you or anything else that you might want to say about it before we uh, move on here? Oh, man. Let's see. There was definitely the feeling by Sunday of being in those groups that you that I usually only experience in in-person gatherings was just this familiarity yeah. with a group of people mm-hmm. there was this feeling of immersion like I oh yeah we're, we're back here like I'm, I've been in this thing for a long time it didn't feel really disjointed or broken up because it was you know a couple of half days it, it just felt like we're really there um, yeah, I and I think people were feeling that at the end they were saying like I, I don't know what I'm going to do when this ends, and if I really think of like what was my most excited feeling, it was seeing how earnest everyone was about their spiritual work. Everybody, mm-hmm. nobody was. It was a very there's a lot of levity in the weekend, and we were joking around and laughing, but nobody was there to mess around. Yeah, everybody yes. was there because they're serious about spiritual things and really working hard in their life situations on exactly the same thing everyone else was working on, which is (laughs) spirituality. So Uh, it did really feel like this, we have some, we really have something in common, all of us. We're we're very different people, but we really have something fundamental in common. And it got me to think of that. That is like the becoming an angel state. It doesn't mean we're necessarily super advanced, mm, mm-hmm. but it means we are, I think, trying to embark on that path. And it did hit me like, oh, yeah, look at look at all this work that's gone in here. Oh, that's so awesome. I love that. And it makes me it reminds me of what Swedenborg describes about communities in heaven, like uh, drawing together into the human form. And he also describes ways that angels you know, he calls them gyres or choirs, like this organizing effect of drawing together into a spiritual community and sort of the magic in that. And um, I really feel like we got a taste of that in this way through this virtual weekend, like you said, where there by the end of the weekend, it just felt like we were a, a whole, you know, and, and all sharing in that, uh, with that shared intention and and desire about uh, becoming an angel. So that was, that's really cool to think about. It's just everybody there has got a, an insatiable thirst to let's talk about the Lord. Let's talk about spiritual concepts. Let's think about that. That's what we care about. And I, I, you know, throughout life, it's not where I always am, but I'm there, I think a lot more than your average person. I think that's what, mm-hmm. what most of the off the left eye people, that that's the mode that we're in. Right, that's why right, we, we yeah. got attracted to this, this endeavor. So it is cool to just, you know, especially in that weekend with those people, you just know that's all anybody wants to talk about. So it's, you can, you don't have to (laughs) talk around it. Yep. We can geek out about it as much as we want, which is so great. And we'll get to do it again someday. So again, if you didn't get to come to the weekend, uh, you can still get the recording pass um, and you can uh, go to, I think it's becomingangel.eventbrite, B-R-I-T-E dot com. And I'll put a link in the description to that as well. And, uh, but then also stay tuned because we are definitely going to do it again. One way or another, this is happening again. It was just too good to, to only let it be once. So really, really great to reflect on that with you, Curtis. And yeah. So now I'm going to go tap on the door of our good friend, Dr. Jonathan Rose, and explore with him any of the certain gems that maybe have come across his desk in his work editing the New Century Edition translation of Swedenborg's works. And then we could go even further back together at the end of the show down uh, Swedenborg's memory lane to see where Swedenborg was this week in history at the end of the show. It all sounds good. Uh, tell Dr. Rose that I, I hope he and his family are well and that his crops are <laughs> producing a good yield this season and that I remain his. Thank you. Okay, I will. His humble servant. All right. right. <laughs> we'll see you then. Okay.
All right. Hey, Dr. Jonathan Rose, how are you? Doing well. How are you? Good. And I pass along uh, Curtis's love and well wishes for your family and your estate. <laughs> um, <laughs> he's really only just out in the hall, uh, but <laughs> we'll be the catching up with him later. Is entirely mutual. Okay, good. And I remain ha- most humbly his. I am honored to be the middleman who can pass along these messages of love <laughs> between you both. <laughs> so, before we get to the entree of the NCE spotlight and the gems you might have for us this week, I want to know from you, you were there too, what did you think of the Off the Left Eye experience? What was any sort of lasting impact or impression or sense that you had about it? I was just really deeply affected by it. Um, it, it lifted me up and uh, mm. changed my state. And um, one of the things that was so great, and I sort of approached it as a presenter and yeah. part of the, you know, the crew working behind the scenes, that type of thing. Uh, but I was very much affected by the meditations, by the journaling and and so on that was part of it. It really affected me at a deep level, as did the talks. All the content I thought was really excellent. Mm. And um, uh, perhaps one of the most uh, awesome things to me was that we were across, I think, six time zones. Um, Yeah. Uh, people from all over the place, all different walks of life and different backgrounds. And it was so fun to feel this commonality. It was really very rich to me. And to hear the same kind of thoughts that I have in my mind or desires and, and so on that, that that someone who externally I would think, oh, they're quite different from me, you know, have the same. It was very bonding. It was very yeah. unifying. Oh, I love that. I felt the same way. There were just so many, you know, these people who, for a lot of them, I have never met before. Some of them, I recognize their names in the YouTube chat comments. But for the most part, I've never met them. And yet meeting them on the weekend and having this shared, you know, interest in everything was just amazing. It just made them feel like old friends. Like I could just talk immediately about really deep things that, you know, you just don't get to, you know, strike up a conversation with anybody and go there. You know, so it was very, very, uh, like you say, transporting, like elevating. It was really inspiring. Yeah, I, I, I had not quite expected it to be that good. I had high hopes, Mm -hmm. but it exceeded them by a long distance. Oh, that's great. Really cool to hear about. So here we are back in another Inside Off the Left Eye episode, and I wonder what gems you might have for us today. I've been going through my gem collection and picked out three beauties that I haven't talked about before uh, from actually quite a wide range of texts, but they were all things I came across as I was editing. Hmm. And they're on three different topics they they're just the things that sort of lit me up nice so the and I, actually as it turns out the order in which i want to talk about them is numerically uh last to first all right are they all in secrets of heaven then they're all in secrets of heaven yes Great. so 3339 is about the experience of light and warmth in the other world after death Mm-hmm. Swedenborg writes, light and warmth are vividly experienced in the other world. Angels live in heaven's light and warmth. And then he adds this little phrase I don't ever remember reading exactly anywhere else. The light supplies them with understanding, the warmth with a desire for what is good. Mm. And I'll talk about this some more in a bit. The passage goes on, the varieties of light, which are visible to their outward sight, originate in the Lord's divine wisdom, while the varieties of warmth, which they also sense, originate in the Lord's divine love. So the more fully spirits and angels understand truth, and the more strongly they seek goodness, the closer to the Lord they are. 
what struck me about that was just, I don't know, I've never really thought about uh, quite in the same way what it would be like to live in a light that gives you understanding. Hmm. The light actually gives you spiritual information. You know, you're, you're hmm. seeing things, you're connecting things in that light. And even more importantly, the warmth gives you a desire for what is good. Hmm. Now, your heart and mind need to be open to that experience. Not everybody enjoys it. You know, some people feel quite sick in that light and warmth if they aren't prepared for it. But the idea of the warmth, and it also supplied kind of a contrast uh, in the northern hemisphere. It's, it's still quite a warm time of year. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, warmth often makes us um, a little bit lazy or want to have pleasure or hang out with friends or something. <laughs> right. Like that. This warmth gives them a desire to do good things for other, you know, like, oh, it's warmer today. I think I'm going to do even more. You know, uh, <laughs> the, the, the warmth is an inspiration. I, love, I just love that idea. That's amazing to think about. The second gem is um, uh, from section 2034, subsection 6, and it's about what the Lord did when he came into this world and also about how the human race can get splintered and fractured and Mm. divided and what brings them together. After humankind had lost everything heavenly, so Swedenborg's taking you back through spiritual history. Mm -hmm. After humankind had lost everything heavenly, that is all love for God, so that it no longer had any will to do good, the human race was separated from the divine. Nothing but love brings people together. And when love dies, a rift occurs. Mm. When a rift occurs, death and annihilation follow. So at that point, a promise, meaning when the human race had fallen that far away from God, a promise was made that the Lord would come into the world to unite his humanity with his divinity. And by this means, and here's the key phrase to me, bind the human race together in himself through the faith that comes of love and charity. Oh, wow. So I've always thought about it like saving the human race. But actually to bind us together, to, to hmm. bind us to each other wow. in himself, you know, it just gave me a, a different light huh. on what he was doing and how to bring people together in our world. You know, what, what is the real unifying thing? It's that love. Wow. And that, that relationship with the Lord, you know, yeah, when we're having our own personal relationship with God, then we're better able to love each other. Like those two things definitely go hand in hand. Uh, yeah. I, that's amazing. I'd never thought about it that way before. So that's really interesting. It, it astounds me how just a couple of words just bind us together in himself, you know, like, yeah. I I don't know. I, I, I just... I have job satisfaction. Shall we put it that way? <laughs> yes. And section 1970 kind of covers what all comes in the package with spiritual experience. Hmm. I thought this was really interesting. So he's talking about visions. By genuine visions, I mean the vision or sight of things that really do exist in the other life. They truly are objects that can be seen with the eyes of the spirit, not the eyes of the body. Hmm. People on earth see them when the Lord activates their inner sight, that is, the sight of their spirit, the same sight they come into when they're released from their body and cross into the other world. So the sight of our spirit while we're here is Hmm. also the same uh, as the sight that we have after we die and we're in our spiritual body. He says, after all, people are spirits clothed in bodies. There's a nice simple statement for you. These are the kinds of visions the prophets had. And then he says this, when the eyes of our spirit open, then in daylight, brighter than that of the noonday sun on earth, 
we see what actually exists among spirits. And then he adds something as if, well, that doesn't really do it. Let, hmm. me, let me clarify a little more. We see not only representations, but also, you know, which are these kind of uh, graphic sort of 3D representations of spiritual reality that may be in the form of animals or buildings or weather events or all mm -hmm. kinds of different things. We see not only representations when our, the eyes of our spirit are open, but also the spirits themselves, and we perceive who they are, what they are like, <laughs> where they are, where they came from, where they're going, <laughs> how they feel, what they think, and even what they believe. All Whoa. these impressions are confirmed without error by audible <laughs> speech. So oh that is, I, I would love to know that about any other human being on the face <laughs> of the earth. That's amazing to think about. Just kind of comes with the package. Like, oh, yeah, you see spirits. And, and by that, I mean these 8, 10, 12 things yes. <laughs> that you pick up about people. And by the way, in case you're missing any of it, there's actual audible speech that he says is just like the speech between human beings saying, yes, this is what they love. Yeah, you're, you're correct. Uh, that's how they feel. This is where they're going. <laughs> this is where they're going. Uh, I just thought that was quite a list of wow. what comes with the package of, of spiritual experience. Yeah. Well, you had me on the edge of my seat just with the reading of that passage. I, so it's well translated. and Isn't it? Isn't yeah. It? It's magnificently translated. And that is just amazing. I mean, he says that that's possible. That's like, I can't imagine. I know it happened for him, but it's just amazing to think about that that's, you know, in, in thinking about the off the left eye experience and the becoming an angel weekend, it really was affirming for me, like, that is the reality that's inside of us. And we are moving towards that, you know, either more or less, you know, in alignment with it. But uh, so to think that that's really what's coming, like that we're going towards sooner or later is Yeah, the spirit of that passage is not at all that um, I was given this astounding thing, but that was just a one-off. Yes, Don't exactly. Don't you think? I mean, yes, the sense is when the eyes of, of our spirit open, then in daylight, you know, this is what we, we see not only happen. this, but we also see that and we feel the other thing and we know all of this and then <laughs> yeah. we also hear it confirmed and... Yeah, that's that's the that's the drill. That's what happened to the prophets, and and that's what happens to anybody who's who's blessed to have their spiritual eyes open. Wow, that is amazing. Well, and it kind of fits well with where we're headed next for our weekly time travel to see where Swedenborg was this week in history, because we're going back to meet a fellow who was very interested to know from Swedenborg how people were doing who he knew who had passed on. And Swedenborg gives some interesting sort of qualification for what what he's able to relay to this guy. So uh, you want to join me now and we'll go join up with Curtis and make that trip? I'd love to. All right, here we go. All right. So, Jonathan and Curtis, hey. Hey, hey. Hey. This week in history, Swedenborg was writing a letter to the Duke and Landgrave Ludwig IX of Hesse-Darmstadt. And he was writing this letter on August 24th, 1771, which is why we are using this as our inspiration for this week of our time travel. So, Did you say landgrave? Yes, Jonathan. Do you want to explain to Curtis what a landgrave is? Don't I hope patronize I can. me. It's, it's a <laughs> title. There's a similar word in Swedish that means that the grave part mean, means a count. So it was some sort of nobility, uh, and I, I don't even know, but I think the land part has to do with actual land, like you're the head of some region. Yeah, and Hesse Darmstadt was the was the region. Okay, so like See, he's he's got a mortgage. 
That's that's what I was going to say. So, yes, it's like it's like a title of some kind. I don't know. And it sounds and cool. Was, I mean, it sounds very, menacing. Yeah, yeah the and grave. Duke was was a really big deal. I mean, that's high level nobility. Yes, yeah, so he's Duke Ludwig the Ninth, the Landgrave of Hesse Darmstadt. So that's like Hesse Darmstadt is a area, a place, um, and he was the Landgrave of that area. Congrats! And to anybody him. who is the the ninth of anything, you can tell they're kind of a big deal, at least in terms of some worldly hierarchy. Like Curtis the Eighth, you know, we all yes, know that. That's right. So. That's right. I, I am the eighth Curtis so far in the human race. Yes. <laughs> So this week in history, so we're going back, we're traveling to 1771, August 24th, and for those who maybe don't have Swedenborg's birth and death dates memorized, 1771 means it's very close to the end of his life. He is 83 years old, and he maybe doesn't know it yet, but he's gonna, he passes away in the next six months. Um, of this time when he's writing this letter to the Duke. And so what were, interestingly, this this Duke and Swedenborg had a pretty long back and forth correspondence where they would write letters to each other. And uh, we, it was in this same letter that Swedenborg writes of the last works that he's planning on writing, which None of them make it to publication because he he passes away, and we discussed that in episode seven of uh, the podcast. But this week, it's in the same letter in which Swedenborg is telling the Landgrave, "Hey, here are these books that I'm planning on writing because this the Duke. He's a big guy. He's worth it for Swedenborg to be, you know, he's somebody who's interested in Swedenborg's work. So Swedenborg's gonna lean into that." Um, but the Landgrave also has this strong interest and really presses Swedenborg to want to know about how certain people he knows who died, how they're doing in the afterlife. Um, and I only followed the trail back so far, but he just keeps pressing this point with Swedenborg you know like it's it's like okay I'm interested in your books but can you please tell me how this person is doing so a few episodes ago we touched on how reticent Swedenborg was about doing tricks or using his spiritual connection uh, and awareness in the spiritual world to just kind of show off you know or uh, reveal things or whatever like there were certain events that did happen that we've covered where sort of news got out that Swedenborg had this clairvoyance, you know, or could speak to people who had died or has knowledge of the physical world through his connections in the spiritual world. But he wasn't selling that, you know, like that wasn't his big point. He would use that to support the interest in these, in the ideas that were in his books. And, uh, and so this in this letter to the Landgrave, Swedenborg really um, spells it out for him and kind of explains like, like this guy basically won't take no for an answer. Swedenborg has to keep saying, "I'm really this is just not how it works." You know, I'm not going to go call on your aunt, whoever. Um, so here's I'm going to read the portion of the letter where Swedenborg talks about this before he then goes into the books that I said earlier. So he writes. Most serene Duke Landgrave, I have received your gracious letter. I note that you are still awaiting an answer concerning the state of the men whose names you previously gave on a sheet enclosed in your letter, being Marshal Belizel, de Bombelise, de Comca, and Madame de Beck. So I don't know if I'm pronouncing those right. It doesn't matter. They, they're dead anyway. Yeah, <laughs> they're not going to come after me. What it has been granted me to know concerning King Stanislaus and concerning Pope Benedict, I have previously told, but as concerns the four others, it has not yet chanced me to meet them, for they are far distant from me, and perhaps in societies from which they cannot be fetched. The main reason I did not meet them is that I have no idea of their character, 
And all who come into the spiritual world do not keep their own and their baptismal name, which they had borne in the world, but are given another name, which involves the character of their mind. If, therefore, I should call anyone merely by his name, he would not recognize that name, this having been given to oblivion. As to all those with whom I have spoken in the spiritual world, from knowledge of them, I had some idea of their character, from familiarity and association with them. In the case of relations and friends, from their writings, in the case of the learned, from their deeds and their fame, in the case of kings and princes. Therefore, when I desire to speak with anyone, I must know and put forth some idea of his character, and then, if he is not altogether too distant from me, he either becomes present, or I speak with him from afar, but never by mention of the person. Pardon me, therefore, most serene Duke, that I am unable to satisfy you in your commands and desires respecting these four persons, as I would gladly do if it were possible. Whoa. So isn't that interesting? What a lot of information. I love he's very clearly spelling out how the game is played. What I think is so fascinating is he says, like, you need to know something of the character of the person, and but even so you're not necessarily going to be able to have the right kind of harmony to be able to talk with them, which is really interesting. Like it gives a different sort of quality to people. I feel like people often ask us, uh, was Swedenborg limited in who he could talk to in the afterlife? Because, you know, was there sort of a bigger world than even Swedenborg could move around in? And it seems like Swedenborg through Providence was given a large, you know, landscape to explore, you know, and went to a number of societies. He was able to go through changes of state to be present to people. But just on a day-to-day basis, he's saying, I just can't, I can't just go everywhere or anywhere, you know, I have to, I have to know something or there has to be some providence there of some kind. It's also interesting. I've known about the name change and I think that's cool. And he says elsewhere that you're clothing. You can tell who hasn't been in the other world for long because they still wear their kind of earth-style clothes and then they change clothes. Uh, But I don't know that I'd heard that idea before that you wouldn't even recognize your own name if you heard it. (laughs) Even though you spend all this time in the world being so identified with that name, somebody say, Jonathan, ring a bell? Hmm. (laughs) No, I'm not getting anything. (laughs) And that he says, oh, I, know. I have to yeah. have some idea of their character to put forth. It's like he's yeah. sitting at some giant search bar, some spiritual oh, search bar. Right. And it's like, I need to know, I need to enter something into this. Because the yeah. name search doesn't work. Yeah. It's not a name. Yeah. Can, but but that he's he's got to sit there and project something, that there is yeah. a, 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 a sequence of actions that he goes through. And People who think, saved yeah. Poland from civil war or something. Yeah. Some yeah. action or some quality. It's or weird that just reading about someone is enough because, you know, how accurate are those accounts? But somehow that works. Yeah, he sort of lists those different, like he, he got to know enough of somebody's character from even this, like their celebrity or their, you know, like he said, what they wrote. I think there must be probably you know the true things that they wrote or something like uh it seems like with that name thing there must be some quality of uh protection in that in a way to know that like only the people who really know you are going to you know somebody can't just be coming after you just because they know your name you know like there has to be a a reason or that shared love uh and I feel like it can feel a little bit scary maybe to think like, wait, I don't know the people's names who I love, who have died. Like, how are we to know their spiritual names? But that if you have that love, then even if you maybe couldn't write an essay on like, what is their character? It's like, you know it in your heart. And that's what's going to cross that distance, you know, as Swedenborg the, described. The best and most efficient search engine is love. Yes. And right. thinking of someone of whom you have some knowledge and affection uh, yeah some affection yeah, and right. knowledge like that's what you need yeah it doesn't seem like it's that hard to make the connection once you have that because he can list all these different categories and then somewhere else he says i've talked to everybody i've known 
So <laughs> yes. I, I also like part of me is a little bit like if he's kind of saying, well, you know, the board of directors won't let me. That, that <laughs> right. if he really wanted to go after those people, he maybe could have found more of a way, but he's kind of telling the Duke I, a story. I'm so glad. I'm glad you pointed that out because I had the same thought where it's like, who's going to challenge Swedenborg, you know, on like, wait, you could really go talk to them, couldn't you? You know, <laughs> like yeah. if he's saying, eh, it's, it's harder, I really shouldn't, you know. But he does it in the nicest way possible because he gives him something the guy does care about, which is information about how the spiritual world works without yeah. actually giving him what he thinks he wants, which is how Aunt Matilda's doing. <laughs> it could be that some of those people are in hell and mm. he doesn't want to, like, you know, disturb the Duke. It's also interesting that he says, or they could be, or it could yeah. be just totally telling the truth. He says, or they're in societies that they maybe can't be pulled out of. So yeah. that's an interesting... Right. Like maybe it's that like is interesting in whatever stage of their progression, or maybe if you're in a negative society, there's all these safeguards on them, or if you're in a positive society, but just not everybody's public, you know? The fact that when it was important, even when it's something seemingly worldly, like um, finding that receipt for the silver service for the widow de Martville and yes. things like that, that um, he could totally connect those things. I think it was basically that if the Lord of the angels or, or some useful thing, mm -hmm. sure. Mm -hmm. But if it really is just idle curiosity, I'm, I'm sorry, but but no. I yeah. also like the fact that when people would ask Swedenborg, in other instances anyway, he would say, I'll get back to you in five days. It wasn't like he had an immediate answer. He needed to kind yeah. of play, pray and reflect and see Yes, no, and, and as you say, maybe the board of directors discusses it, whoever the equivalent is in the spiritual world, and, and they say, yes, go, go ahead. Right. Yeah, I'm sure he has some, you know, people who he can go, you know, talk to to see about, is this, you know, is this worthwhile? If he doesn't already have that own perception himself, you know, he's got people he can he can tap on to know, is this the most useful thing or what, you know, whatever that situation is. And so this, through the letters, it is that the Landgrave has heard these stories about Swedenborg. And that's why in the letter he mentions that um, King Stanislas and Pope Benedict, because word has gotten to the Landgrave that there have been all of these occurrences where Swedenborg knows, you know, has had those um, sort of clairvoyant and telepathic experiences. And so it does it does sort of strike me that there's a little bit of this like idle curiosity or we don't even know the intention of the duke so here's how he continues moreover i speak with a great many every day even with those stationed in great dignity without knowing who they were and what their character in the world perhaps some one of the four mentioned by you was among them but i could not know this because as stated they do not remember their natural name, and I did not know them from their spiritual name, which involves the character of their life. So that adds some more interesting stuff where he says, maybe I've talked to them, but I wouldn't even know because I don't know their, didn't know they were that guy in the world, you know? That is really interesting. <laughs> so he, he dates it. He says, your most humble servant. He's writing in Amsterdam, August 24th, 1771. Emanuel Swedenborg. And we know that this is that fascinating moment that we've talked about in previous podcast episodes where Swedenborg doesn't take true Christianity and run to the Swedish diet to deliver it there. He instead goes to England and never leaves England again because that's where he stays, you know, and he's got friends there and then he passes away the following March. And so this letter goes to the Landgrave, and the Landgrave writes a reply, but that reply never makes it back to Swedenborg. And so it's sort of an open-ended story where we don't know if the Duke knew that his letter never got to Swedenborg, or maybe he thought it did get to Swedenborg and Swedenborg never wrote back to him or what. But as far as we can tell, Swedenborg had already left for England by the time the, the messenger who was delivering the Duke's letters could have gotten uh, 
to Swedenborg to even and then even if he got there, he wasn't given a forwarding address, you know, of like where to send his letter to pass it along to Swedenborg. Um, so I just want to read the Duke's reply or at least part of it um, to see how this landed, you know, how this sort of soft, gentle decline uh, landed with the Landgrave. So um, he writes, from the heir assessor's letter of the 24th of last month, which reached me today, I have seen with pleasure that he still takes the trouble to satisfy the inquisitive desire to learn, which I originally manifested and which I manifest now, and to give me news concerning the state in the other world of the persons named in both my previous letters to him. But since the assessor has also given me to understand that without some idea concerning the characteristics which these persons had in this world, they could not be found or recognized nor spoken to in the other world, I impart to him on the enclosed sheet as much as is known to me concerning them with the request that he now inquire about the matter and also in regard to the fifth person who died only recently that he kindly give me news as soon as he has met him. Since the nationality of each person is now made known to you, I assume that the heir assessor can now perhaps himself obtain this information or if this should not be possible, can obtain it through another spirit who can get at this information. <laughs> For Man, the rest, he just won't let it go. That's hilarious. He won't let it go. For the rest, for the rest, I wish him a happy journey to England, awaiting the publication of his four new works, as well as a kind and early answer, and with the greatest esteem, the heir assessor, uh, etc. So <laughs> he's got this enclosure that's a short description of the character of some deceased persons. <laughs> Oh man. And uh it's so it's so sweet and I don't mean to laugh or make light of it because there's something he's really persistent. You know, and he's like if you can't do it, get some spirit to do it too. I wonder if there's some pressure like if the duke is kind of wanting to use his dukehood, you know, to kind of like, "Hey, I'm the duke in the landgrave here. You're going to you better do what I want you to do." He is used to, I'm thinking of that character in the New Testament who says, I'm a man under authority and I have people under me. Um, you yes. Know, he, yes. He's used to being able to issue commands or injunctions and get responses. And it is natural that if Swedenborg tries to explain why this can't happen by saying you need these requirements, of course he's going to if if he's really interested he'll supply it he'll try to supply the missing information interesting so very yeah. interesting and he seems to be at pains to say i'm sure he's right that these were all good people they were honorable people and yes. he loved them so he's there's no suggestion that there was any darkness in his request yes that's true we we've maybe cleared the duke and landgrave of Hesse Darmstadt <laughs> and i do think it's sweet to be like, okay, you need to know the character of this person. So let me try to put it in a few words. Like, that would be kind of hard to do, you know, yeah. to, to write three sentences about somebody that's like to give you enough of a character summary for for somebody to be able to find them in the spiritual world. It's fascinating. Could be an interesting plot or something for a, a movie about the spiritual world. Well... So that is our journey. Thank you, Jonathan and Curtis, for traveling back to 1771 with me to learn about this. Yeah, it was fun. Very interesting. Yeah, it is interesting to get this context about spirits, the nature of the spiritual world, how communication works, and even our our new spiritual name, whatever that is. So fascinating to contemplate. Well, thanks so much, guys. Let's do it again next time. Indeed. Yeah. I'm excited to share this freshly Swedenborg-inspired song with you. But first, I hope you've enjoyed this week's episode of Inside Off the Left Eye. You're the best audience a podcast could ever have, so thank you for listening. Subscribe to the podcast to never miss when a new episode comes out. 
and consider supporting our work with a donation. Go to offthelefteye.com donate. Anything you give helps make the quality and impact of the work we do possible. So this week, this Swedenborg-inspired song, as I said, is by David Ramsey, who attended the Off the Left Eye experience and then surprised us the following morning after our second day of sessions with this song that he had put together, having had just had this awakening to the idea that we are becoming angels, that it's not that angels are a separate race of being, but that we in our lives are developing and we can in this world be developing our angel selfhood. So I'm Chelsea Odner, and I look forward to being with you next time we're inside off the left eye. But until then, here's Angels in the Making by David Ramsey. Enjoy the music. Ain't it good to know we're all gonna make it? Ain't it good to know we've been designed to succeed? Ain't it good to know that God's there if we want Him? Ain't it good to know we are Heaven's holy seed? They said an angel fell from Heaven one day And he created a fiery hell angel appeared to Mary with news and that angels save us from fear but I never heard that angels were once people like you and me no I never knew that my core was a seed that grows when I listen to God and that I Holy.